All right, y'all. Hey, well, thank y'all for. I want to appreciate every listener for joining me for this episode right now because this is a special one that we're doing. I have none other than the Humboldt County hip hop legend from Potluck. I'm talking one ton right with me right now. What's up, one ton? What's up? What's up? What's up to all the people out there? Dave, thanks for having me. You know what I'm saying? It's a wonderful thing that you're doing for Humboldt with this Hip Hop Humboldt and this podcast and all the people you got on here. I'm just lucky that I can be added to this roster, man, and uh, share some of my uh, stoner stories and my music stories, man, with the people out there, man. You know what I'm saying? Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's what's up, one son. I'm blessed to be able to get it on the pod. You know, this pod would not have been humble hip hop and you know not completely without some of your stories on here without a doubt so thank you there we go there we go that's one thing i got a lot of the stories man that's one thing i got a lot of when you were old man man you've been doing music as long as i have man you accumulate a few stories man oh oh yeah man and you've been doing it for over 20 over 20 years are we talking over 30 years um yeah man like uh being just a fan of hip-hop and just being in love with hip hop and like practicing my craft definitely over 30 years. If you're talking about as a professional, like paying my bills then over 20 years, you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm definitely happy. I can say that, man. Not a lot of people in the hip hop uh, community can say that man for 20 years, they've been eating off hip hop, man. So that's a, that's a wonderful blessing, man. Wonderful blessing. Yeah. Respect. That's real because a lot of people never even make it to the point where they can eat off it at all. You know, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's what I said, man. Like, I guess 95% of people uh, who release an album, man, uh, sell less than 2,000 copies. If you're talking about whole album sales, whether it's actual old school physical or digital online or the equivalent amount of streaming, 95% of artists, you know, never even get to that point. So, you know, to be able That's to sell all the records we did and get to where get to where we got to, man, was a, definitely a humbling experience. Yeah, yeah. In the area you did it in too. That's true. That's true. There was uh um virtually no scene on the on the uh Arcada Square. I remember uh um uh, before sidelines closed down, that was like the major spot for a hella years that supported hip hop, but they didn't have no hip hop at all. I was the first one to DJ hip hop in that entire sidelines. And I remember going there trying to convince them that people would even come to listen to hip hop music on the square in Arcata. They were like, what? Hip hop? No, that's for a city thing. You know, it's going to come to that here. And I had to explain, yo, we got these colleges here, man. I think it can make money. And the first night I did it, it sold out. And then once they started seeing the money come in and, you know, I did a few more and it went for a while and I, DJed all around, but that's what kind of kicked it off in the square, man. That was one of the uh one of the first uh one of the first gigs that I had. So that's crazy, man. Around what year was that, would you say? That was 19, I want to say 96, 7, 96 or 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> the old cafe or uh, the old uh it's not even called it was called cafe tomos before that was called brewing beats now it's called uh, uh mazadis mm-hmm. but they had some hip-hop there they would have some select hip-hop there and i remember the guy who actually one of the guys who taught me how to dj back in san diego had a dj thing there a couple nights and i came up and did some of that it was experimental but then that spot was easily out of there. And then Sidelines was the one that kicked it off, man. 
So I remember going around just telling people like, that would be my sales pitch. Like, do you like hip hop? Cause this is before social media, before all that shit, you know what I'm saying? Like no social media. The only way you get the word out there is to go hang up posters around town and go talk to people. And I remember like, that would be like my saying, I'd be like, do you like hip hop? Do you like hip hop? And then like one in every five person would say yes. And then I just give them a flyer to the show. And then that's how I kicked off just trying to just get anyone in the County that liked hip hop, White, black, blue, purple, brown, green, whatever religion you were, just like, yo, this is underground hip hop. And I know you might be from San Francisco or L.A. or Portland or wherever you're from and you're here now, but we're trying to start some hip hop shit off here. Goes. Yeah, that's what's up. So you started you started off spinning music. Yeah, I started out as a DJ, man. I started out as a DJ when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I did. And. Actually, that was the foundation of Humboldt. I mean, that's the foundation of Potluck, like coming together in Humboldt was El Jefe from No Effects. He opened up a club um, called Jefe's in Eureka, which is now a parking lot. Um, and he had a DJ tryout. And I went there, um, tried out, and so did Underrated. We both went there, tried out, and then we were both so dope, he wanted to hire, hire both of us. You know what I'm saying? So then... He's like, man, I'll hire both of y'all. And then that's how we started working together. That's how we started working with Hefe. That's how eventually Hefe began to make beats and mix and master um, all nine potluck albums that ever got put out. And that's how me and Underrated started off, too, was from a DJ tryout, both as DJs, before beats, before rapping, before any of that, DJs. Damn, that's what's up. That's dope to hear. It's interesting because that's how, like, even some of these young cats that I've interviewed, you know, I ain't going to pull, pull us left, but the young cats, too, they started off doing the same thing, working for sound production and, and as DJs, you know what I'm saying? That's how you, like, learn. That's how you learn some parts of the scene, I swear. Yeah, for sure. That's how you learn the craft, man. I, I felt like that's how I learned how to read the audience, or at least that that began my experience of learning how to read an audience from a live performer that began my marketing experience, learning how to like, how do you, how do you market our culture to, uh, in like a small town like Humboldt? And how do you find the people who love it that want to come out and can appreciate that and come to the shows. But at the same time, how do you, how do you stay away from causing some of the problems that are traditionally associated with hip hop, you know, the shows and violence and the gang culture and a lot of those things, especially being in California, how do you ride that line of, you know, keeping the police chief happy, keeping the schools happy, keeping the clubs happy because it's a real business, but at the same time still serving the culture. And a lot of those lessons I learned from DJing and promoting DJ nights and and the original potluck live music shows that we would do a lot, a lot from that as well. Joe, man, I would love to hear about some of those live potluck shows, man. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I I started talking about that spot, Bruin Beats. So the uh, it, they got changed to Cafe Tomos. And Cafe Tomos, um, first they wouldn't let me up in there. They're like, nah, hip hop, it's not gonna have a it's not gonna have a pull here. So we agreed the first the first show we did. Um, well, first they they were like some of these kind of crossover like hip hop acts. Like I don't know if you're familiar with DJ Logic, but yeah. they had. Um, they had DJ Logic came up there and they were like, okay, we'll give you guys a trial run to like open up for DJ Logic. And then we opened up and they're like, oh, okay, it's like a group of you guys. You guys are like, a, you know, there's probably like was a lot of people back then. And they're like, oh, it's a, you guys kind of have a hippie nature. You fit with humble. Oh, you talk about weed smoking a lot. Like we'll give you an opportunity. So 
they gave us a opportunity. They gave us our own night. It was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, some shitty night. And then <laughs> just like a trial where they had been damn near closed anyway. I printed up a bunch of flyers, went went to CR, went to Humboldt State, went to all the spots around town, just hung up flyers, had some uh, some of our very first album, um, and I had it in like a CD Walkman, and I would just spent days just walking to campuses and just saying, hey, you like hip-hop? You like hip-hop? Someone said yes. I'd take my headphones off. I'll play it for them, and I'll give them a flyer to the show. And Damn. I, that's <laughs> crazy, man. That's grassroots hip-hop right there. Yeah, and, and this is before, this, like I said, it's before social media. It's before any of that. You know what I'm saying? So then people would hear the music. They would go, and then we, not just that factor, but then with our presence on radio and with the amount of music that we were selling in, in the, in the stores, those both got other stories behind them. But in combination with all those things, we were able to sell out our very first show there. And once we sold out the first time, then they were like, okay, they saw the money they brought in. Then it's capitalism. They saw, they were like, damn, we made the most money off the bar than we made all year on y'all show. And I was like, hello. Yeah, Yeah, for real. (laughs) So then, then we started doing kind of something there very routinely. Ended up, um, before it was all said and done, we ended up doing one of the last shows they did before they closed down Cafe Tunnels after like 10 years. And we had 19 consecutive sold out shows there. So um, that was one of the that kicked yeah. us off. Respect. Yeah, when you, I mean, with shit, when you, when you have lines around the block, man, to come here, you rap in your hometown, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was that was humbling, but that let us know that you know we was on to something, man. Like people want to hear the stoner rap. You know, people want to hear the stoner rap before now. Like now anybody can go get a license, man, and you know, be a be a wannabe outlaw pretending like they're growing. This is like 20 years ago when we was talking about what we was talking about on these records 20 years ago. We was talking about penitentiary time and shit. We was talking about, you know what I'm saying? So it was a whole different, it was a different vibe, man. It was a whole different thing back then. Yeah. A portion of the scene coming up was directly tied to cannabis, like you were just talking about, in, in a way. Course, you know what I mean? Like, and so there was this kind of like uh, the money in cannabis being there helps fuel the shows and a lot of and people be able to come out things. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely, I think that's. Um, I have a lot of theories on it, but I think really the humble hip hop scene and the marijuana, the growing scene is so intertwined. They're so connected and they're so influenced off of each other. Like the the humble hip hop scene wouldn't be the same without cannabis and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So like um, at the beginning, just telling these stories and, you know, the humble County freestyle Kings and stuff Swizzlow did bringing all those guys uh, freestyling up there with Garth originally, you know, and, just one coming out and DJing for those guys and DJing for potluck and some of these harvest parties we would do, you know what I'm saying? In Southern humble where it'd be like, you know, growers who love hip hop, you know, they were kids just like us. They love hip hop. Their parents didn't like hip hop, but they did. They had a whole bunch of money from Crowe and they were taking penitentiary chances. So they were like, yo, I want to throw a party. And my favorite group is potluck because they talking about the shit that I'm doing every day. So, you know, they yeah. give us thousands to come out there and rock like a fucking house party. You know, we use a couch as a stage, you know what I'm saying? And just, or fucking hay bales on an outside spot and just, you know, rock for a house party of like 50 people, man. And like, get it popping. Yeah. So. That's dope. <laughs> hey, you know, that's so interesting, man, because that it shows that hip hop has always been at least hip hop coming from, you know, 
metro areas and stuff like that. Like it's a reflection of people's lives. That's what's going on. And so it was the same thing here in Humboldt County. The hip hop was reflecting what was going on in people's lives. It's for sure. And, and at that time, Humboldt was like known as like the capital of weed, like for all the true weed heads. You know, now it's kind of like with the legalization, some of these new cats are talking about like Colorado and some other spots like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, true, you know, pie heads for real was talking about Humboldt. And, and it's amazing how much like being from Humboldt, having just really good weed helped with my networking. Like, we would go out and do shows and move around and I'd meet different like tour managers from bigger groups and stuff. And just from smoking with them or giving them a nug of some, just some fire, fire, whatever I had back then, some outdoor, whatever, indoor, whatever it was, but just some humble quality would like, it would, it would etch me in their mind. Like there's still people nowadays right now, like literally last tour, um, I got off 20 years later from a tour manager I met who tour managed all like hieroglyphics back in the day, living legends, all those guys. The first time he met me doing a show on Humboldt, I gave him some weed. He was just telling that story this, this past year, like less than a year ago when I'm playing this club, he owns that in Austin, Texas now about when he first met me and how good the weed was. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> the, the quality was there with the product for sure. Yeah. So little things like that, man, just like, like I said, with the with the weed scene of Humboldt and hip hop just, you know, connected it at the beginning. Yep. Yep. It's interesting to see the transition with the cannabis scene and industry change now. Like you, you like you, you were kind of saying, you know, it's not like it used to be right now. You know, prices are lower than it was. The scene is there's a lot less money flowing into the Emerald Triangle because of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, and so it's been interesting to see that hip hop is still running strong while the cannabis scene is going through some transitions. And I hope that a lot of my friends that are out there that are running businesses, um, you know, cannabis based businesses, I hope that they're continuing to keep going. You know, I don't want to see anybody go out of business. And we've seen a lot of that, you know, that's just not good for Humboldt County in general. As more kids come in now that this Cal Poly Humboldt thing is going on, right? It used to be Humboldt State, now it's Cal Poly. It's really changing some of the landscape. And so there's a lot of, transitions going on in Humboldt, there's going to be people coming in that want to know about this history that you're talking about, you know? Yes, I'm, I'm a proud Humboldt State graduate. I love Humboldt. You know what I'm saying? Like, now that it's, you know, it's it's a basically it's a new Cal Poly Humboldt and all the new things. It's, it's really sad what's going on with the housing over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope they get that shit worked out and worked out in the correct way. Um, that's really uh that's really anti humble. That's anti what Humboldt's really about, man. We're we're a hippie community, man. We're a loving community. Like, you know, it's free lunches, you know, like plenty of spots for the homeless, like supportive of alternative lifestyles and all of that. So to to find out that we can't even house students in Arcade is like, come on, humble, like we lost our way. We lost our way. I know. In twenty twenty three, it's really true, man, the lack of planning. It just shows how the government's just kind of weird around here, man. You know, I was, I was just, you know, I, I was just had an episode that just dropped with a dude. I know, you know, case from LCA mm -hmm. and we were talking about it. And he said something that kind of uh, rung true with me. He was like, you know, this place is very red and it's very blue all at the same time. And so like, it's interesting. But then you got folks that are really in need that the homeless people and other people, and they're just getting left to, 
fend for themselves a lot as the government doesn't do what they're supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of crazy. That red and blue thing is true, man, and, it, and, it, and it's even from before my time. It's when the original hippies came up there to originally start growing weed, and they were fighting with the loggers up there. That was the original, like, kind of red and blue at the same time. Like, you know, people were there for Humboldt straight off a of profit. Like, let's cut down as many of these redwood trees and turn them into dollar signs as we can. And then you had the tree-hugging hippies out there of, man, let's come out here with free love and grow marijuana and fucking hug these trees and save the planet. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that... That uh, that dynamic of humble was that's even before my time, you know. Yep, it's still there. It's still it's still strong. You know, that's mm-hmm. that same dynamic. The industries have changed, but um, you know, it's the people are. I, I want to say certain people are less hippie like they used to be. You know what I'm saying? But the vibe and and positivity, positivity and love is still definitely here. I I'm just stoked to hear these stories that you got because I mean you guys did a lot. Um, from from some of the things that other artists have said, you know, the quality of the production, like you talk, we're talking about that you and Hefe and uh, Underrated were doing. You guys were like had a spot that was set up and dialed. Yeah, thank you, man. Again, appreciate the kind words when, when it comes to that. Um, when it comes to the studio stuff, um, like we were very fortunate to have someone with an ear like Hefe, like. He was a, already a multimillionaire off of punk rock music before he ever even met us. And that's one of the things I really admired about him was he loved hip hop enough. He was ready to start over with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, literally some of our first shows, he went with us and slept on, on like our friends' floors and shit as we were going, doing opening gigs when he's a fucking worldwide rock star. He had already been around the world doing shows for like 10,000 people. He went back to the day one and slept on floors to come do hip hop shows. So crazy. And he's a major reason why our sound was the way it was. Cause how his ear was just so trained and the combination of him working with underrated cause underrated knew a lot more about hip hop than Hefe knew. So he would kind of school him more on the hip hop elements of it. Whereas um, Hefe was more of a, a, a sound, a trained sound ear in terms of music. He could play any instruments. He knew frequencies. He knew about mixing and all those things. And so then uh, it was that. And then it was just the whole digital transition, all of us learning all that together, you know, going from real to real tape and analog boards to the first digital boards and digital recording, like eight app machines, you know, all the way up to, you know, hard disk recording to, now, like, you can basically have a whole fucking, you know, studio inside a laptop. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yep. yeah, you guys, you guys saw it all from from the analog yeah. days before that digital shit, like you were saying. Yeah. When I, I tell people, I'm like, look, I tell youngsters all the time. I'm like, you guys are fortunate now, like the tools that you have available to you. Like, I was like, when I started, we were starting analog boards. You know what I'm saying? analog recording on there's no cutting and pasting there's no, like literally if you wanted to cut and paste you had to cut the two inch tape cut like physically cut the tape <laughs> yep. and paste it to the other one that's the only way you could cut like like when we started that was that type of recording was just transitioning out like we were lucky enough to like get from there into the ADAT tape era as well as our first shows there's no social media. We couldn't advertise. We couldn't do none of that. There was no cell phone. There was no fucking um, uh, um, Google Maps. This is even before MapQuest. 
We literally had to go to a gas station and buy a folded map, unfold the map, lay it on the hood of the car, be like, okay, we're here. We're in Arcata, California. We have a show in Portland, Oregon. How are we going to get there? Oh, okay, we're going to take this freeway, take this freeway, take this freeway. Then all the venues had set up like a phone call, a phone number you can call. This back before cell phone, so it'd be a, literally an answering machine would kick on and say, hello, you've reached whatever, the Rosewind. You've reached the Rosewind, you know, in uh, Portland, Oregon. If you're driving in from the south, you want to take exit this, this, they would leave directions right on their voicemail because every day there was a new band driving in trying to find a spot. So mm. part of playing shows, that was like the way we did shows. So it's like, imagine the transition to how it is now compared to that. It's like, you know, yeah. and watching it the whole way through. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And you guys did it, though. You guys took it from that level with all the things that changed over time. And you guys still, you know, made everything happen. Yes, very fortunate. You know, Potluck, some of my best years of my life, a, a lot of good stories associated with that. One proudest moments, though, is majority that happened with Potluck, but I had to finish it on my own solo is to be able to say, man, I rock shows in all 50 states of this country. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a lot of ways that you can make your name in hip-hop, but there ain't much more stories that can be more hip-hop than that. Saying, man, I went to all 50 states. I got on stages from Sunset Strip in Hollywood to Times Square in New York City to, like, the hoods of Southside Chicago and East St. Louis. And what I talked about on my albums, I got up there on stage and I said that shit live in all those cities and earned my name that way. So, uh, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. When it comes to hip hop, it don't get much more hip hop than that. Yep, yep. A lot, a lot of these kids nowadays with things so digital and different, a lot of these kids don't understand the work that, in, that was involved with making those making all that like you just talking about that traveling happen all that work behind that it's so much easier nowadays to get so much of that done so i hope folks listening don't take it for granted like one time was saying you know it's a whole lot easier for the youth out there nowadays so maximize on that you know the, the tools are available they're out there and um the thing that i like about it is you know i see such a like because the tools are so available, a positivity that comes from the youth, man, that's to me that I love, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it gives so much more hope. You know, when I started, it was hope, like you, but it was kind of like, what you want to be a rapper? Like, I mean, that's kind of, that's hard. You know, <laughs> how are you going to, you have, you have to get a record deal. You have to record in a million dollars of studio. You have to have like millions of dollars to like buy off radio to like launch your career. Like, there was really like independent music really wasn't big. It was like, whereas now it's like with all the social media platforms, with the easy ways you can record, the easy ways to do shows and all these things. Now it's inspired the youth to be, to have a way like more happy feeling, a way more feeling of like, yo, I can be the next Russell if I want to. I can start my whole own thing, my whole own plan, do it my whole own separate way and I can be successful. Like, People didn't think that like that way when they started. Like, maybe you could be, maybe, but like, good luck. Man, that's like winning a lotto. Good luck. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. now it's like, you thought I can do it. And I love that. I love that. I love that energy. I love the energy of the youth, man. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, it's part of what keeps me going still is working with all the youngsters I work with uh, nowadays.
Yep. Yep. The ones that are, you know, you're passing the torch and, you know, they're taking it. And man, there's some dope young acts around here. Really, the folks that are doing it now, these young cats, they saw what you and underrated and freestyle, humble county freestyle kings and subliminal sabotage, you know, and the different iterations of, you know, the years and how the dirty rats changed up. We know that different people in and out of the dirty rats because there's, you know, we're big for, you know, a point there, you know, and still dope and doing dope things. Shout out to the dirty rats, you know, but uh, definitely I feel like when it comes to like transitioning hip hop to more of the business and more of the like taking the sound and going outside of Humboldt and then establishing some of the business connections with the with the retail stores, with the live music venues, with the radio. I feel like Potluck was really pioneering in that, you know, we're the first local group to sell out the Mateel as a headliner, which is like the, the Mateel is like the spot if you're from Humboldt. At that time, it was the biggest spot. This is before they built the Arcadia Community Center. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, we paved the way for a lot of those things. But a lot of those groups, you know what I'm saying, and, um, like blow some entertainment and OEB and all those dudes, they were around way back then too, you know, and they were doing stuff too. So a lot of us were doing stuff, but I just feel like, like in terms of like getting outside the County and in terms of some of those business relationships, um, you can say we kind of blazed the trail for that. But at the, at the end of the day, I don't want to feel like we, we taken all the credit because there definitely was a scene that went far beyond potluck of all of us making music, the LCAs, Dirty Rats, like I said, OEB and all of them too, like all these different people that were making music that were like really trying to like make humble, you know, have a sound and have something going on that were, you know, definitely responsible for um, blazing trails in their own rights as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to make sure that uh, we do give respect on the podcast to all the different groups that have, you know, created this scene, the foundation of it, you know, Man, um, that was crazy. I was uh, doing a radio show with Bob Doran a couple weeks ago yes, and yeah. we got on potluck real quick. You know, we were playing some potluck. And um, uh, unless I remember incorrectly, he was telling me that y'all opened for uh, y'all uh, did a concert with Snoop at the Mateel. Yeah, yeah, man. We did. A, that's one of the stories I like telling on the road when people ask me about Humboldt weed. But yeah, we did a harvest party with with, with Snoop. It wasn't at the Mateel. It was at um the uh, Eureka Muni. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, shit sold out in advance, $100 a ticket. Oh, damn. Back in the day, too. That's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One, of, one of my favorite stories I like to tell is uh, Snoop came on a private jet um, to do the show. And he flew up. And his first thing he said, he got on stage, like, yeah, man, Snoop here, man, man. I humble, man. You're supposed to be the capital of the weed, so... I'm going to say right now, I came on a private jet, man. I'll take all the weed. You got the best of the best. I smoke with the best of them, man. And whatever I can't smoke, I'll take on my private jet back to L.A. And then about the fourth or fifth song in, he was like, okay, stop stop throwing weed on stage. Stop. <laughs> Damn. I have too much weed. I have more weed than I can smoke. They go take my jet down. They go arrest me for transportation. Like, stop throwing weed on stage. Stop, stop. I can't believe this. Like, we have Snoop quitting like five, six songs in saying, stop throwing weed on stage. You came to Humboldt to do a harvest party back in the day, and you say, I'm Snoop, give me your weed. Hey, Humboldt, we going to represent now. We going to give you all the weed you need. Yeah, so, that's <laughs> for real, man. Damn. <laughs> so we have Snoop quit. 
You know what I'm saying? That's how Humboldt do. Snoop tapped out. That's crazy, man. Yeah, Snoop tapped out. We, Humboldt had too much weed for Snoop. That's how we Damn, did. that is a story, man. That's crazy, man. About about what year was that, would you say? Um, so we were we were actually out on the road tour with Tech Nine and we stopped. We one of the one of the days ended up being an off day, and we came back to do that in the middle of the tour. So I want to say probably 2000 because i think it's one of my one of our earlier shows with tech i want to say probably around 2003 maybe 2004 somewhere around there and um rest in peace uh carol who used to throw reggae on the river she was mm. responsible for all the reggae on the river she was the one that put that whole thing together um oh, rest no. in peace man she she put us on the 20th anniversary of reggae on the river and put us on the shows we did there and she's real instrumental in the humboldt scene She's really known for reggae, but um, she loved hip hop and she really supported hip hop and a lot of a lot of potluck and a lot of the stuff we did earlier early on. But yeah, she was responsible for throwing that show. Dope, dope. Yeah, I like hearing about anybody that was putting on for hip hop like that in Humboldt County because there's only so many people, you know. Yeah, she she would tell me all the time. She's like, when I first started doing reggae on the river, they didn't want reggae in Humboldt. Like the first one, like the first or second year, they had to do they had to call it like the reggae and rock festival because they weren't supporting like you know reggae on the river. It was like reggae and rock on the river or something like that. It was called. She was like, she was like, man, I see in you guys and I see in, in hip hop what I saw in reggae early on. She was like, man, I had Stephen Marley and the Marleys as babies running around my house, you know, like using my shower and stuff and like staying the night at my house as like I was trying to build the reggae scene in Humboldt, you know what I'm saying? With their father and like their his brothers and kids and all the different family members that he had, wives and all the different people staying in and out, out of her house. And so it's like, yeah. Um, for her to say that our, the Humboldt scene and the hip hop reminded her of 20 years before that trying to make reggae happen was like, was a thing that another one, another one of just those small things that let me know, man, we're on to something. Just keep working. Just keep working. Yeah, for real. That's some of that, that beauty behind the scene. That's dope. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace to Carol too. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. She was, she was, she was a great woman. She was a, she was a believer in pot, like, and a believer in me too, as a business person, she always would, uh, she always would advocate for me to get outside of Humboldt more and do more business. You know, she she was a believer. Yeah. Yeah. Some folks know people when they see and they see talent, they know it. And they also know that one way to really, I mean, expand is you got to step your foot outside and pass that redwood curtain, you know? Yeah, definitely. 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 That was a uh, that was one of the keys, I think, to helping us at the beginning was getting out of Humboldt and once we got out of Humboldt, like kind of trading shows with different people, different local groups from their areas, like meeting the people in Portland, then we'd go to Portland and do shows. We'd bring them to Humboldt, you know, meet people in like Lake Tahoe and Reno area and doing the same thing in Chico and just trying to go to the small cities around here and do that. Like that was a big thing that kind of got us on the national map, got us a national fan base, got us our record deal, which eventually turned to a worldwide fan base. What I was trying to say is I try to remind people, I'm like, I'm just one man. I've seen a lot. I'm a stoner. So, you know what I'm saying? I got a lot of stoner stories, and uh, they all 90% true. The 10%, man, I might have lost in my memory from too much weed smoking because I definitely was high at the time and been hella high since then. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a bunch of stories, man, and, you know, I can, 
that can be inspiring. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, I can talk about me, me and young people. Like, I mean, I met Kendrick Lamar when he was a hype man. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kendrick Lamar sitting me down on a, on a tour bus with Tech 9 I went there to visit Tech and all them. I had been touring with them probably five, 600 shows with those dudes. He's, he's J-Rock's hype man on the Tech 9 tour. He sees the way everyone's talking to me, and he's just, he's asking me questions. Hey, OG, OG, how did you guys do this back in the day? And I remember having this conversation with Kendrick Lamar, and I remember, like, I was on the, I was on, like, the party bus. There was, there's three buses on the tour, and one of them's like, that's the one everyone partied on and drank and smoked and all this, there's girls running around, all the typical hip-hop shit you, you would imagine. And I remember this just young kid, and I remember he wasn't worried about none of that shit. He didn't care about smoking weed. He didn't care about the Hennessy bottles. He didn't care about the girls. He didn't care about none of that. All he wanted to do is ask me questions about hip hop and business and hear what I had to say and then bounce ideas off of me. And that's all he, he didn't care about none of that other shit. And I remember thinking, I was like, man, you're a young cat, man. And like, you don't care about none of this typical shit that the youngsters would care about. And I remember thinking in my mind, I don't know who you are. But I know you got a future in this game because your mind's in the right spot. You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. you know, a couple years later, um, he got an opportunity to go record with Dre. Um, he left. Um, J-Rock still continued to do a tour with Tech 9 And rest in peace to MJ, dude who took Kendrick's place, ended up getting murdered on the Tech 9 tour, which had Dre not taken Kendrick, Kendrick would have been in that spot. We might not have even heard of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, it's still rest in peace, MJ, because that's like you never want to exchange lives like one life is more important than the other because everyone's life is its lives are as important. But that was that transition. And he recorded with Dre and then Kendrick became fucking Kendrick Lamar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And Damn. Catching up with him years later, man, in, in the studio in L.A. after he was already Kendrick, the glasses was cool. Like he seen me, remembered me and shit. So that was a cool thing, too. You know what I'm saying? Like. So, yeah, that's why the whole transition, man, I can't believe that's so dope, man. I'm telling you, there's so many heads that are going to be just in, in awe right there off that story, man. I got some of these young artists around here that look up to Kendrick Lamar so much, man. So that's a that's a crazy story, man. Thank you. And like I said, man, like I, I met Kendrick when he was a hype man. You know, I try to I remember. Me and Wiz Khalifa, I wanted to pay Wiz Khalifa $200 to open up a potluck tour. And my label wouldn't fund me the money. It was like, nah, I don't see it again. They're like, oh, man, no. I don't see it. They're like, man, he had a deal and he got dropped. He's on his way out. Why do you want to talk? Why do you want to do a deal with people who got dropped? I said, nah, he got dropped because people like you who say you don't see it. <laughs> the people the people back there couldn't market him. That's why he got dropped. Watch and see he's going to build up his stuff underground. He's going to come back and be bigger than ever in some of this weed smoking shit. And they're like, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, I've seen it the now. Same way too. I want to get Hobson to open up for us. The label didn't want to fund me. It was like, nah, man, I don't see it. You know what I'm saying? So you never know. You never know. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's always, you know, when I met Tech, I saw it in Tech and Tech's biggest show he had did in California was a show with Potluck in Humboldt at the time. And then now, you know, come to find, you know, you've seen Tech's career. He didn't blew up. He's the number one independent rapper in the world, you know, came back full circle and hired me to be his tour manager. So now it's like, like going around the world with Tech 9, bro, like collecting checks, man. Like, That's dope. Amazing. 
I'm glad that he did that, man. That's definitely full circle. You know, I mean, it's only smart to pull somebody that's got the experience and the talent that you got to make things happen like that. That was a good move. Yeah, I was real fortunate, man. Like, um, I was actually surprised because I like look, I look up to Tech and Travis and Corey who runs all their touring, set of touring for strength music. Like, I learned a lot from these guys. And like, I was like how Kendrick was asking me questions. Like, that's what I was doing when I was first out there with Tech, like learning. I was just sitting in the back, okay, taking mental notes, watching how they were doing it. You know, just keeping track of how they put their whole business together. Then I would go out to lunch with them or doing whatever as we're on the road. And I would just ask questions and ask questions and kind of try to stack up that knowledge. And, you know, I was just, I said, I just had a meeting with Corey today, just the head of Tour for Strange. I was just telling him, like, you know, I learned a lot from you guys at the beginning. Like, I literally made, like, probably tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, in terms of just cash flow coming through shows based off knowledge that I just learned from touring with Tech and Strange Music. You know, that had I not been in that circle and learned, maybe some of those opportunities don't present themselves. Maybe I don't get some of those chances and, you know, maybe I can't help myself help potluck and help the other people who came behind me you know so fortunate mm-hmm. very fortunate yeah it's dope how the universe works man i'm telling you yeah man it was, so like go ahead i was gonna say um how the universe works it's like i feel like music has always had my back like anytime i've had it's it's peaks and valleys you know what i'm saying it's like one day you feel like you can conquer the world and the next day you feel like, damn, I'm the biggest fraud and nobody likes me and they hate everything, I, all my music, and, I, and I, should, I should be out the game. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and you have to like balance those emotions. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so at one yeah. of my low points when like kind of like potluck was over, you know what I'm saying? Like one of the, one of the things that kind of like brought me out of there and brought me was some of these relationships like that I didn't even know really were, was there. It was like, like one with strange music, like for them to be like, as soon as the potluck thing kind of went away for them to be like, man, we were kind of waiting on that, man, because we have these business opportunities that we've just admired how you've grown in this industry. And we want to like hire you to work for us and do X, Y, Z. Like I feel the numerous calls like that after the breakup of potluck that I wasn't even aware of because I was so focused on, on, potluck and my artistic vision and like you know taking care of underrated and like doing what was best for the group and not thinking outside of that that there wasn't people out there that was recognizing that and then when the potluck thing went away and i was sitting back like fuck what am i gonna do now you know and then those people started reaching out i was like okay that was one of those hey they just gave me they gave me some adrenaline they gave me hope like yo hey it's out there man it's ways it's ways to keep growing and keep making money and shit like they helped me complete my journey, you know. That's what. Uh, yeah, man, I I feel like folks, some of these, uh, some of the younger audience that may be watching this when they listen, um, if they weren't in the scene and at going to potluck shows and listening to potluck music, they're gonna miss how big potluck was because there's only been so many. I mean, acts out of humble that have gotten as big i feel like internationally like potluck i hope folks are listening because potluck was big you know yeah definitely we were very fortunate um like bigger than bigger than i even really really realized when potluck broke up and i started going going around solo is when 
I, I, I even realized some of these, it was even bigger than I thought. Because when we're doing it, like, obviously, man, I got stats for days I can rattle off. Like, I told you about the 19 shows we sold out in advance. Like, um, also, to sell out to Mateel as being, you know, as a headliner, local headliner, no one had did that before us. You know, we were the number, we had the number one, when we released the Humboldt County High, our first record, we had the number one most requested song on the radio for a year straight. Like, Damn. So, not only that, is that, we, when we dropped um, Humboldt County High, that's the same time that um, Eminem dropped his first album. When we re- actually, when we, we did an indie kind of release, but when we re-released it and went into like the major stores, Eminem dropped his first record. And this was in Britney Spears, in her time of her height of hype, she was the biggest pop act. And in Humboldt, Potluck sold more albums than Eminem and Britney Spears. At their height of hype, you know what I'm saying? Like, Nobody yeah. sold more music than Potluck in Humble. Nobody came to more shows. No one had more requested radio songs than us. Like in Humble, like we was the biggest thing moving when it came to hip hop and business wise at that time. Again, full respect to everyone in the scene because I, I I fully recognize that the scene was developed way outside of Potluck and way more than we could have ever accomplished by ourselves. So I'm not trying to downplay that in any way because that's full respect to all those dudes. But from a business standpoint of what Potluck did, like some of those stats, they just are what they are. They're undeniable. You know what I'm saying? Like we did those things. And and I just want to give a quick shout out to the community in Humboldt County that put that that came out to the shows and that bought the records and that was supporting Potluck and supporting hip hop like that because you know, that was, you know, important. If if we didn't have those people doing that, man, like hip hop might not have the traction. You know what I'm saying? So it takes the people really, you know, when you hear something you like, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what other issues may be crossing your mind, barriers, boundaries to why you might think you might not want to be listening to it or the people that think that hip hop, you know, shouldn't be in Humboldt County. Like we talked I did an episode, one of the dopest ones uh, was with Highway, um, and he was talking about it. You know, he was just like, hey, you know, there's people in Humboldt County. When I was growing up, going to school, they were, you know, uh, giving me, you know, problems because uh, they they felt hip hop shouldn't be, doesn't have a place in Humboldt County. Right. I see that clip, man. And I remember hearing Highway say that, man. That's fucking true. Yeah. It's true. But like how he was talking, Highway had. Man, Highway has and still has a tremendous amount of talent, man. Like, uh, is an amazing, amazing artist. And I remember the first time I heard him. I remember I put Highway on so many shows and so many things. And for years, I would just introduce him as the future of Humboldt because I honestly believe that. I believe that, like, wherever we took it, he would be able to take it further than that. And whether that's happened, that hasn't happened yet or will happen in the future is still yet to be determined. I think he can because I think he's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw that clip. I saw that clip, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and so it's it's like I'm thankful for the people that did support hip hop again. I'm thankful for the highways that said, you know, no, nah, forget that. Like hip hop is me. This is what I'm doing, and it's here, and we here, and hip hop is here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just got a lot of respect for the people that helped fuel the growth of the culture. Because without all of y'all, it would be a different scene. I remember too uh, at the beginning um, the the first radio that the first radio station in Humboldt that played hip hop. This guy named Greg Mack, um, 
went and opened it up. I don't know if you're familiar with Greg, but um, the Easy E song radio that he made back in the day. And Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre's first job he ever got in the music business was DJing for Greg Mack when he opened up the first radio station in Los Angeles that played hip hop. Oh, so, shit. That's crazy. <laughs> so that he, he, like, if you go back and listen to the uh, Easy E song radio, I'm on the radio. And then, like, there's a snippet, hey, this is Greg Mack with the Mack Attack, and you're listening to, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's him. He came to Humboldt opened up the first hip-hop radio, radio station in Humboldt that played hip-hop. We met him like one of the first weeks and he told me, he's like, man, watching what's going on in Humboldt now reminds me of what went on in LA years ago with Dre and NWA and starting the Humboldt hip-hop scene out there. He's like, the scene out here is right. Like, what you guys are doing is cool. You guys got your business side. You need people like this. But the scene, the people that are here that want to hear the music that are like that love hip hop, you know, the other artists, like everything here, like I feel like we're on to something like I'll open up this radio station. I'll, I'll be able to advertise for days and sell radio commercials for days because I feel like it's needed up here. And it turns out he was fucking right. You know what I'm saying? Validated. Yeah. Is that is that the was it the party? Was that the yeah, radio? It's called station? the party. It's called the party. Yeah. When I first moved up here in 2004, the party was rolling and that was dope. I thought, you know, I felt I just felt like at that time, like hip hop was well represented because there was a radio show on and then the party went away and it was kind of a drought in that sense on the radio and on the airwaves and shit for hip hop around here, you know? Definitely, definitely. When the party went away, there was definitely a drought. Um, but yeah, he started at a couple. He started at years before two thousand and four. I think he was started at ninety. I want to say seven or eight or something like that. Maybe. Um, Damn, that's dope. Shout out but, to Greg Mack. Yeah, Greg Mack. Greg Mack and the Mack Attack, the original hip hop radio sh radio show in L.A., and then brought it to Humboldt. And then something happened because I I think they brought him in, and he was like a silent partner. I don't know if he fully owned it or something. But then there was. You know, it's the music business, so there's always some shit that goes down, and then he ended up moving on, but he was an early believer. Uh, like I said, Carol, who did Reggae on the River, was an early believer in Humboldt and the hip-hop scene out there. Uh, Bob Duran, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I think I told you when I found out you were going on there, he wrote the very first article that was ever printed about Pablo. You know what I'm saying? He wrote that article. And he believed in hip-hop and the scene that was in Humboldt and the youngsters he wanted to write about it and put it in the paper and talk about it. And he was a firm believer in music and like embracing that, you know, like there was a lot of people that people might not expect at the beginning that really like um, ushered in that way. And then people like that you've had on in terms of artists, people that you've had on um, your show before, someone like a Swizzler. Swizzler was really tapped into a lot of groups around here because he's so talented. He was playing in a lot of jam bands. He was doing a lot. So for someone like Swizzler, as talented he was on the keyboard, to be like, yo, I'm in all these groups and I'm going to start a side hip-hop project. Then you got all these musicians being like, huh, Swizzler's going to do hip-hop? Like, there was, there was a sense to that that gave other musicians around town that, that might not have been into hip-hop of that. Like, yo, hip-hop is... You know, this is when we're hip hop fighting for respect. You know, like we're an art form. Like this is music. Like at this time, you still have people saying hip hop isn't music. You know what I'm saying? So for mm -hmm. someone like Swizzlow to, for his expertise that he has playing the keys, for him to be like, I'm gonna start a side group, Humble County Freestyle Kings. I'm gonna go do gigs and I'm gonna play keys for these rappers. Like that gave us a, you know, a, a, a certain amount of cachet with the uh, 
with the local artists in bands and jam bands and other musicians that might not have given us respect. So there was a lot of people at the beginning, man, that was just really, really supported it, man. It made it wonderful, man. I, I can go on for days and name people. And I've, I've left people out. And if I left you out, you know, I know who you are. And I love you. And we smoked weed together and drank Crown Royal together. So, you know, I ain't forgot about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. Now, they definitely ain't forgot about you because, man, that's some dope history right there. And I, I definitely agree that there was a, a, a bunch of heads that really like you're talking about Swizzlow and he's he's been able to, you know, take the work that he's done with Fat Bowl with, um, you know, now he's making Object Heavy. I mean, Object Heavy is, you know, basically at this point, they just released an album on a, on the label and they're around there. That's global now. Object Heavy is global. And so it's mm-hmm. really dope to see the different ways that the Humboldt County, the foundation of music then sound that was created in Humboldt County around that time, like you were talking about when Potluck was big, when the Humboldt County Freestyle Kings were big, you know, and, and hip hop was like just burgeoning at that point to see how things have changed and, and the different um, ways it's manifesting itself now, you know, and you, like you said, going on tour internationally as Tech Nine's manager, you know, I mean, um, the tour manager, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's really dope to see what Humboldt County artists have been able to continue to do. This That's one of the coolest things about hip hop is that, you know, there's not really, as we've seen with other MCs, it's not really like this age. It's not really a point where you really retire. You can just keep on taking the experience, the knowledge that you have, passing it down, making dope things happen in your community, outside your community. So shout out to you for just continuing to move that bar forward. Thank you, man. Humbly appreciate the the kind words. And um, people people helped me at the beginning. All those people I mentioned, I, I think about, you know, like people who were rap superstars when I'm I remember talking to E40 for the first time, like on the phone, like rap, like in my mind, a fat black kid from California, like E40 to me is like, he's like the top, it gets no bigger than him. And so for us to do shows with him and for him to like embrace potluck and the music we had, and then for him to say stuff like when I thank him, he'd be like, you know, the way you thank me is you help the next the next generation come up. When you put together shows, you put them on your shows. You know what I'm saying? When they ask you questions, take some time out to answer their questions. Help them out. That's the way you say thank you to me is you keep this hip-hop culture going like how I built it in the Bay. Like, you do that for your community. You extend those olive branches in your community. You do those things for your community, and that's how you tell someone like me, thank you. So um, if, when you say that about me, I just immediately think of those conversations. Then I thank people like E40, all the people I mentioned in the Tech Nine, and Lucky I Am from Living Legends, and just like Charlie Tuna, you know, people who just only because they're just good people and they love hip hop took time out of their day to like school a young a young one ton about yo, hey, 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 big man, you don't want to be doing X, Y, and Z, man. That's not good for your career. Focus more on A, B, and C, man. That's going to help you out a lot more. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what, what, when you brought up E40, man, something really uh, kind of just it reminded me of something because one of the entrepreneurs that I really loved growing up, man, was Master P. You know, I was a big No Limit Soldier, man, way back. 
just come to find out in the last few years from Master P talking about it, you know, he really he said he learned the hustle from Charlie Hustle, from E Feezy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. E 40 was so instrumental in this game. And I think a lot of people don't know that, don't give him his flowers. I mean, he's that's he really E40 should be on the hip hop Mount Rushmore in terms of what he really has done for the culture on a big sense of things. Man what he's done for the culture, how he's influenced the slang that every rapper used back then to what they use today, how he's shown how to build up a hip hop community, what he's done for the Bay Area, how he's shown as an entrepreneur, how to transition as a grown man and as a family man into alternative businesses, but that are still related to what you got going on. Then as just stay relevant as an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like what other artists can be like, Yo, over five different decades, I've been dropping hits. He's had Billboard hits in five different decades. Yep. Matt, Matt Westmore right now got hits. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I yep. can't I can't say enough good things about E-40, man. To me, he's one of the best to ever do it. I got my sweater with my top five MCs on there, and E-40's name is right on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, That's what's up. He's Hell one of my yeah. top five of all time, no doubt about it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. I'm just blessed to be able to be from Cali and have been able to experience hip hop in California and be able to say like, hey, I was watching, you know, E-40 and that's when just I'm 38. You know what I'm saying? So E-40 was already, you know, blowing up, doing a lot by the time I started to get my eye on hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, back in the day with Too Short and just the whole Bay Area scene. I mean, he's kept it on. I mean, after all this time to be able to still be relevant to the point where he'll, I mean, he's making memes, right? Bang, bang, Niner gang. Right. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like you can't, man, that, that, that commercial runs in the Bay, bang, bang, Niner gang. Everybody's saying it. Like they do it at the, you know, at the stadium 40, he'll be there. They'll show him up. That's the craziest thing. It's like watching 40 do that. Watching someone like tech nine, you know what I'm saying? Like tech nine, he did the Chiefs song. They went to the Super Bowl. Tech's performing at fucking the Chiefs, Super Bowl parade for over a million people. It's like, man, last week I was just on the plane with this dude flying back from Australia, and now he's going to the Super Bowl, performing at the Super Bowl party, you know what I'm saying, with Gronk next to him and Snoop and all these people, and then he's doing the fucking Kansas City Chiefs parade, man. It's crazy how far hip-hop's come from, like, at the beginning, people are like, hip-hop isn't even music, you know what I'm saying? Like, we were fighting just to be considered legitimate music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now the art is around the world. Everybody is, you know, you could you could go to any kind of corner of this globe practically. I mean, if they got power and there's going to be somebody in that community with a drum kit or a MIDI controller that's making some hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Like 100%. it's respected, well respected. And um, again, thanks to the people that created the culture, like we're still talking about, like E40, you know what I'm saying? And the people that supported E40, the people that supported the culture in the Bay, you know what I'm saying? Because the Bay keeps on being consistently a leader in trends, in fashion, and a lot of different things, man. And the Bay supports the Bay, you know what I'm saying? That's a wonderful thing, man. That's that's one thing, like, how I see they how, how they do in the Bay. And it's similar in Texas, man. There's not a lot of communities that are really like that. You know, like, you go to New York, New York don't really support other New York. You know, L.A., they don't really support other, other L.A. artists like that. The Bay supports the Bay. 
man, Texas supports other Texas rappers. You know what I'm saying? Atlanta's like somewhere in between them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you never really uh, know how a community is going to develop. You know what I'm saying? But the wonderful thing about hip hop is like it brings us all together in a worldwide stage. But then also there's something really local about it that is 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 its own sound. And you watch the way that it develops in different communities. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Especially around here in Humboldt County to see how things have changed, you know, because you got a different, you know, the demographics here in Humboldt County. It's not like it is in, let's say, a metro area, you know, so you're going to have a lot of um, let's just say there's, you know, in Humboldt County, there's a lot of white rappers and there's a lot of dudes that are doing it that are dope that I got respect for around here, you know, so it's, 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 it changes the perception of, you know, I grew up in the city, you know, and I mean, I saw I, I was at least I'm old enough to the point where I did see Eminem come up from, from start to finish. You know, I was in high school when Marshall Mathers LP dropped and came up from there. Right. And so, like, he really paved a, a paved a lane and, and a, a, a highway, practically. You know, he really did. And to see the folks in Humboldt County take the torch and move it forward and make dope music. You know what I'm saying? Like that's one of the dopest things is the progression of it. hundred percent, man. I remember Eminem coming out, man, and just changing the game, you know, being, being in a group potluck with a white dude, you know what I'm saying? It was like, we would have discussions about, because before him was, was Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice was a joke. You know what I'm saying? He was like, I mean, I ended up meeting him eventually. We ended up, rocking songs with him on stage in Detroit, you know what I'm saying? So full circle moment, man, I mean, he actually was hella cool, but at a certain point he was considered like a joke. And if you were white, like he made it impossible for white people to even rap. And I remember having some of these conversations with white rappers in Humboldt, especially underrated starting at the beginning of like, damn, like it was just like a known fact. I might, as much as I love rapping, I might not be able to rap as a career because white people aren't allowed to rap because Vanilla Ice like fucked it up for us. This is before Eminem came out. Then to watch Eminem come out and then change the game, it's like it gave Humboldt hope. Like all these white rappers in Humboldt that always had to say, well, I love rapping, but maybe my career will be a sound man for rappers because I'm white and I won't be able to rap. To instantly be like, nah, fuck that. Eminem's white and he's rapping about like white topics and that could fucking be me. You know what I'm saying? Like that could be me that like changed the way a lot of the white rappers in Humboldt looked at it. And I, and I seen the, I seen the influence of that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that was a big thing. Yeah, man. I'm just glad to see Humboldt County have artists that are willing to take portions of a culture that was created. And I mean, I want to make sure I say that I say this on certain episodes, but, um, it, it has to be said that hip hop is a is a culture that is art and a culture that was created by foundational black Americans, period. Full stop. 100%. And, you know, and um, I'm glad to see over time racial barriers have dropped in terms of like we were just talking about, you know, now with Eminem setting that stage like he did now that opens up so much talent that was out there that is still you know being you know coming up out there to have that confidence to actually do it you know for sure like hip-hop's a black art form you know what i'm saying it's a black it's black culture you know what i'm saying and it's a uh, um you know reaganomics and taking away all the uh, school uh, music programs having to learn how to make music from banging your hand on a lunch table and smacking a snare drum with a pencil you know what i'm saying like like, like we had to we had to create music 
figure out whatever way, looping a couple seconds of a beginning of a song back and forth and just rapping over top. We had to create an art form based up, up, up upon our current living conditions and our lifestyle. And it transcended beyond music, the music, dancing, you know, the graffiti, the way we talk, the way we walk, just it's the way that we are. And then the thing with, uh, with us is, man, it's like, we're not limited. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we go, we created the culture, but we, we embraced other people coming in. Come on, come on. You know, Latin, Latin America came in, the, the kid frost, came in, you know what I'm saying, and developed hip-hop in his in, in the, the Latino community, you know what I'm saying? Rappers like Eminem came in and developed it in the white community, you know what I'm saying? And then it just, it, it went from there a whole bunch of different ways, you know what I'm saying? So, um, that's, man, that's why I love hip-hop, man. Some, like, hip-hop's given me some of the greatest things in life, man. I've met some of the most wonderful people all around the world, you know, just from being involved in hip-hop and just the conversations I've had and fucking from... Omaha, Nebraska, the fucking Brisbane, Australia. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's humble, man, and humble, the foundation of where I was from, the, the hippiness of, I want to say it's my musical hometown. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the influence that it had on me and on the music that I created and on my mentality of business, um, just connected with, hum with hip hop and humble in a way was just, and just, um, man, it gave me a career, man. It gave me a life, man. It gave me meaning. Yeah. Shout out to Humboldt County and everybody that helped create that scene and the energy that was there and everything that has spawned from it since. All the careers, all the growth, you know, it's that's all Humboldt County growth in a sense, you know, because folks are looking at it. Folks grew up around here. They're looking at people that grew up around them that were doing things like this. And so folks are going to be really stoked to hear these stories once time, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, word, man. I, I, I appreciate you having me, man. And um, people in Humble, man, like the the name Humble, man, rings bells, man, far, far places, man. And and hip hop, as far as hip hop is went, and when if you're doing stoner rap, man, and you're doing weed, man, a lot of people know about Humble. And then some of the biggest people now, like like Burner and Cookies and what they got going on, you know what I'm saying? Like when he did one of his first tours, we did Potluck, Burner, and Devin the Dude. We all did a tour. We shared a tour bus with Burner. And I remember one of the big reasons why we were on there as Burner was like just coming into his own and getting recognition with Cookies was like what, what we had built from Humble and Stoner Rap and Potluck, just our reputation and our name being involved in that tour added a legitimacy to that tour that they wanted on that someone like Burner was like, yo, I'm talking about weed rap. I need potluck on my tour because when it comes to weed rap, it don't get no realer than that. You know what I'm saying? So um, that was a that was a respect due to humble and where we're from and hip hop. And someone like Burner, who's humble enough to be like, yo, man, I'll pay respects to the older people who were here doing it before me and people who love weed and love music. And it taking us on this tour, man, opening up for him, man, riding the bus, getting stoned on all that good cookie strains and new phenols that he was trying out, man. It was fucking wonderful. Yeah, shout out to Burner, man. He's definitely, in terms of the culture, man, I mean, folks really didn't know about Burner until, you know, once once Wiz Khalifa blew up and then he just let folks know, oh, that's the plug. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. then and then uh, real quick too, uh, I just saw that I think it was last year, man. Burner just went through a, a bout of cancer and chemotherapy and everything. So shout out to Burner. Yeah, yeah, shout out to him, man. 
living a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, he was, uh, he was always worried about that too. That's crazy, man. That's crazy that it ended up happening, but because he was able to get diagnosed early, man, and get it figured out, you know, and get help, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I'm just, man, he's fucking, he's a hip hop billionaire, man. That's fucking insane. Yeah. That's a man. He (laughs) set the stage of like what he has accomplished is what I think a lot of hip hop brands, whether you're uh, associated with cannabis or not, I think like that's the the pinnacle of, you know, you want to get that penetration, you know what I'm saying? And so I really hope that, you know, Fat Bowl, a company like Fat Bowl, whose brand is consistently growing, I could see Fat Bowl in that same position, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a well-known brand out well outside of California, you know, because the because of the success of the culture, because of what, you know, NAC won and the, and the Fat Bowl Cyphers have been doing out here, you know, for 10 years. And, you know, NAC's been doing it for much longer than 10 years with the Fantastic Ooh. Family. You know, that's just another group out there. Shout out, shout out, Fantastic Family. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And the whole Fat Bowl and NAC won and all, man, like, They've been doing it, man. Like they're foundations, pillars of humble hip hop, man. And like the Fat Bowl Cyphers and all that, man. And just the whole Fat Bowl, the clothing, the stores, like just that whole intersection with the culture, like you said, can can definitely be one of those pillars going forward as stoner rap, humble hip hop, as it continues to gain popularity throughout the world. Company like Fat Bowl could be the next one up. It's already on its way. It could be the next one up. It could be the next cookies. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One time, man. Um, <clears throat> so you were just talking about how you were doing the tour work with Tech Nine. If you're willing to tell anybody what uh, what you got coming next. So uh, actually, one of the things that had me late getting on here with you today is we got. I'm actually bringing Tech to Humble. We're gonna do a. Uh, by the time this gets edited up and aired, it'll already be out there. Everybody will notice, but we haven't advertised it yet. But by the time this gets released. Everybody, everybody know. So I got, I got that going. Um, right oh, now, a show. Oh, that's gonna be crazy. Yeah, we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do uh, Arcada Theater because he's never done something small like that since we did Old Club West with him. All the other times we brought him, we've done the Matil, we've done Arcada Community Center, we've done the Casino, like these big, big, big spots. So this is gonna be the first time we do them in a little bit of smaller spot. Try to make it a little more intimate so people can kind of. Um, I don't know if people have seen Tech's new show that he's been doing. Um, it's a lot more intimate show where, you know, Tech is, man, Tech is a musical genius. I'm not going to spoil a lot of it, but like he can damn near karaoke any song he's ever made, any verse that anyone's ever heard of his. Like he'll have audience shout it out and he'll start making the beat on his chest and do some of them for people right there just so they can hear some of their favorites like in the mix of his show. It's a real personal, intimate experience. And I was like, hey, man, we got to bring you back to Humboldt to do that. Because, I mean, everyone knows Tech, biggest independent rapper in the world. Like, you go see a show, the lights and the screens and everything going on. Like, it's a fucking production for real. But he's also been able to flip it in these COVID, these post-COVID times to doing a so a personal one where he could get up there and tell stories and really connect with the crowd. And they get to see him up there, do every single lyric. You know what I'm saying? With no, no hype, man, no nothing. He does every, every lyric, every word. So I wanted to bring him to humble to, to get that off. And, uh, Oh, so that's a wonderful thing, man. I got that, man. Then I'm his tour manager now. So, you know, we got multiple shows going around this country, other countries that we're planning. Um, also do uh, mayday. I mean, I, I do a, this month alone, I worked on five separate tours. Only two of them I can go on 
three of them I could work on behind the scenes. And then I must have turned down another five or six that I wanted me to work on them that I could just couldn't because I, I didn't I just didn't have the time. I didn't I didn't have the available space. So um yeah. I'm uh and Humboldt is a I Humboldt is a main reason I think of my success personally as a tour manager is the different personalities of Humboldt. We talked about this earlier on, how it's like red and blue all kind of mixed together. And it's such a, uh, there's a lot of people that come from all around the world that come to Humboldt and some stay and never leave. And some come for a short period of time and then leave. I feel like just learning how to communicate and talk to people and handle business and Humboldt kind of prepared me, gave me like a sample size of what it would be like when, once I, I left that city and went to other cities, then went to other states, then went to other countries that helped me, you know, my Humboldt experience, like the the vibe, the personalities of everything in Humboldt, like that's a key piece of my development and being able to learn what I learned and get to where I got to. That's dope. That's really dope. I think that the uh, folks that are listening to this that are coming up, they're going to really appreciate hearing that because that's going to be some level of validation. Like, hey, we're doing things. We're, we're right trying to come up in this scene. This scene is dope. You know, this is the place to come up, make some music, you know. So uh, I, I really I'm glad that you said that, you know, that that's that's important for the youngsters to hear. Yeah. And uh, any youngsters out there that hear this, man, like my stuff's on my stuff's on Instagram. I'm on all the I'm on all the social medias, man, like. Feel free to hit me up, hit me in my DMs, man. You got questions on the come up, man. You want a connection to something, man. As long as you're doing the work on your side, man, like I'm trying to give back, man. I'm trying to help where I can, man. Like anyone who knows me, who knows who's worked with me and all the shows knows I'm always putting on new people. I'm always trying to help them with their hustle. You know, I'm not trying to give nothing away now because it, it takes work. It takes work. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to have a little bit of that tough love with the help I hand out. But at the same time, man, I'm trying to I'm trying to see everybody from Humboldt win. I love Humboldt. I feel like the scene could be way bigger than it is now. I'm happy of the scene that is developed currently and what we have there, both old and young. I'm happy about the past and the future. Yep, that's what's up. One son, if you were to that was already that was a, a lot of wisdom for the people right there. If you were to give young artists, somebody that's coming up in Humboldt County, some direct advice, what would you tell them? Um, I'll say two things. I'll say one that I kind of say flatly to people who want to do um, hip-hop in general. Um, and then I'll say one that's more specific to Humboldt. To people who want to do hip-hop in general, I'll say, um, and I say this a lot, that at the end of the day, it's still a job is still working. And if you want to be successful, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to outwork your peers. And it doesn't come from saying negative things about them or hating on them. Like, oh, that's, those are cheating. Those that'll never work long-term. That will never sustain a career. If you want to have a sustainable career, whether you're a rapper, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whatever you decide to do is going to come from hard work and working hard and outworking your peers in the field. Then after you get there, that's when talent will kick in. So don't get don't get caught up if you want to be a rapper in the in the Hennessy bottles and the smoking blunts and the shows and the women and the, the clicks on social media and all those things. 
man, all that shit is temporary and all that shit can be bought and faked and bullshit. The only thing that's going to lead to true success is working hard. So yeah. that's what I'll, I, that's what I'll leave for people in terms of hip hop. What I'll say in particular to people from Humboldt is I talked about earlier the marijuana game being so intertwined with with Humboldt and music. And I feel like it's the gift and the curse. It's the gift because it allows, I feel like there's a creativity that, that comes behind Humboldt hip hop that's there because you know, a lot of us are mixed into the into the marijuana game. So a lot of us have high discretionary income, extra money. We can afford to have a job where we can be really creative, where we can focus on writing music and spending time because we don't have to, you know, we're not living in the middle of the city. We don't have to be a teenager that goes and gets a job at McDonald's flipping burgers. You know what I'm saying? Just to be able to have a little bit of money. So we have a cushion from the marijuana business that a lot of us have that allows us the free time to artistically create music. That's the gift part of being from Humboldt. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The curse part about that is we have weed money, so we don't really care about the, the music money. So a lot of times you can allow the business practices of the music business to slip past you, to not understand those things, to not care about those things, to become lackadaisical and not focus on those things because there's a comfort level of the marijuana money. So... I always caution humble rappers that are in the marijuana game to don't get too comfortable because of the marijuana, but also become comfortable for the marijuana and allow your artistic part to develop. Because a lot of people are rushed to trying to sell their music, rushed to putting it out online, rushed to performing it because they don't have money and they're just trying to do anything they can. Embrace that time. Potluck, we made a hundred songs before we ever released any. You know what I'm saying? Like, take that time to make a bunch of music. Embrace your artistic side. But then once it starts rolling, don't allow that marijuana money to make you lazy. Go out there and get that hip-hop money because it's out there. And it's people with have checks with your name on it, Humbo Hip-Hop. Go get that shit. That's what's up. There's money on the table for Humbo Hip-Hop, for real. Yeah, for real, for real. And the way that marijuana is blowing up right now, man... It's music content they want everywhere, man, from commercials to fucking every company imaginable wants to brand. And this is like marijuana rap is like that's it's like reinvented all over again with the legalization. And it's 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 more checks out there than I could collect for me and for 10 of me. So <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of money out there for humble hip hop, man. Go out there and get your paper, man. It's out there for you. Go get it. Hell yeah. I hope folks are listening to that right there. I know they are. That's what's up. 100%, yeah. man. Hey, one time, one thing that you and I have chopped it up a, a bit over uh, Instagram about, man, is I know it sounds like, man, like you and I are both Nipsey heads, man. Oh, yes, man. I love Nipsey, man. I love Nipsey. Um, yeah, rest in peace, man. I, rest I, in peace. I think, unless uh, I remember incorrectly, you were telling me uh, you had a story. Um, some way related to somebody with Nipsey or you maybe I'm wrong on that. I might be wrong on that, but um, damn, I just know that it was dope for both of us being in Cali to see Nipsey come up and to have love for Nipsey and then um, to see him put on for his city like he did. You know, I grew up in L.A. and, um, you know, so I got, you know, L.A. is in my heart like heavy. And so somebody like Nipsey is going to be a king to me. 
And, um, you know, it was just so dope to see him do right and show the way. That's a part of the energy why I even started this podcast. You know, some of this, you know, Combat Jack, who was doing the um, Combat Jack show, you know what I'm saying? Um, And rest in peace to him. Rest in peace, peace, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Nipsey showing me just, you know, inspiring me to just, continue to give my all and whatever I'm doing. And so when I started this podcast, you know, I'm just giving my all trying to put on for, you know, my best for, for the artists in this community, you know, and that's just me trying to make sure that when Nipsey's looking down, he's smiling on it, you know? Yeah. Nipsey man is a, I mean, I've talked a few times about about people who have that independent spirit and uh, man, he definitely had that independent spirit. He definitely put his people on. He definitely came, carved his own niche. And uh, you were correct, man. We talked. We talked online about about Nipsey. I think I, I think I was telling you about uh, um, one another story. I tell a lot when I do when I do interviews is I met the game Nipsey and Guy Fieri all in the same day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, that's crazy. We was on tour. Um, we were doing a big tour. It was like I think we had three, four tour buses, a couple of diesel trucks. We were doing like. You know, the smallest spots we were doing like a thousand people, the biggest spots were like five thousand people. And we were out with Cottonmouth Kings, um, uh, Head PE, um, this dude Blaze, who was cool with ICP and all those guys, um, Potluck, um, this guy Big B, who uh, he got hit like rap, rock songs with Pink and stuff like that. We had a big tour, we were out. And I remember Guy Fieri was doing the first seasons of Diners, Drive Ins, and Dives. In Boise, Idaho, he was doing one of those. Uh, he was doing a spot right next to where our buses was parked. Our buses were parked a couple blocks away from the actual venue. We had an off day. The day before us, the game was touring with Nipsey's first tour that he ever did as the opener. No one knew who Nipsey was. No one knew who Nipsey was at all. He was the opener. The only reason why he was on there is because um, Steve LaBelle, I don't know if you're hip to who Steve LaBelle is, um, but Russell Simmons, and for the people out there, you, you 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 might know, but for the people out there who don't know, it was Russell Simmons' intern. He's responsible for bringing Bone Thugs to the mainstream. He's behind like 10, 15 other acts that you heard of, but he was also largely responsible for bringing Nipsey from being from neighborhood Nip to the Nipsey hustle that we all know. Um, he was on that tour, and, and I had met him before when we had these shows with Bone. So anyone who knows about uh, gang culture, you know, uh, the game, his brother is one of the biggest bloods from Los Angeles, like one of the most notorious bloods from all of Los Angeles. And then everyone knows Nipsey's a crip, you know what I'm saying? And Nipsey's brother and like, so that dynamic of being out on tour and then like we came across them in Boise, Idaho, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. And I remember because half, half our tour was from LA, they were like, I'm not even going in that venue because, you know, they're like, the game and Nipsey, what, whatever gangsters are alive in Boise are going to be out tonight. I'm not even going. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, you know, I want to go meet this new Nipsey dude that Steve LaBelle's telling me about. Like, he said he's cool. I just want to meet him and see what he's talking about. But plus, I was a big fan of the game, and the game had just blown up. So I was like, okay, let me go out there and see. And I remember walking into that room, man, that backstage, man. That was one of the most intimidating rooms I ever walked into, man. That backstage was like probably 30 of the most, like, hard South Central Los Angeles, like gang banging ass, like I'm here in case any funk go down, 
Like I got my whoop ass card in my back pocket and that's why I'm out here on the road. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for real. I went into that back room by my fucking self. You know what I'm saying? Like just me <laughs> walked in there. What up, man? I'm one time, man. Paula's my crew, man. I'm from Humboldt, man. And then a couple people, and then Steve had introduced me to a few of them. So a couple people knew and I just went and worked the room. Met Nipsey. Man, it was a super fan of Nipsey ever since then, man. Like I met him. And again, it was like something that sparked to me like the first time I met Kendrick. Just the knowledge that he had of like, yo, like I, I, I'm with the bullshit, but I'm also like, I know this is a business and anybody that's around, I'm going to be paying attention. I'm going to be asking questions. My eyes will be, I'm going to be looking left. I'll be looking right up and down. I'll be taking notes. I'm going to be doing everything I can to recognize this is a business and how I can make Nipsey Hussle go out and tour and be the headliner instead of opening up for the game, how I can do all that. You know what I'm saying? So um, meeting that, just that those people, Guy Fieri, like I said, starting diners and drive diners, drives and dives for the first time. And it was actually a kind of an ego boost for me because they were filming in that restaurant. Everyone, all the buses were parked there. So everyone kept trying to go in there to eat. And then so everyone was like, man, I'm doing a show. I'm doing a show. And Guy Fieri's super into music. So anytime people would ask, he would ask, me, hey, who are you doing a show with? Oh, you're here, whatever. And so you have the game, you have Nipsey, you have Cotton Monkey, you have all those people I mentioned. Guy Fieri didn't know who none of those people were, but he knew who Potluck was. Oh, shit. <laughs> so as all those Hell people yeah. in and they would tell who the people was, Guy Fieri would be like, oh, man, I've never heard of the game. Hey, but I heard of Potluck, man. They dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guy Fieri's from Humble. You know what I'm saying? So yep. he knew who yep. he was. So it was kind of a cool thing of like, all these people that I looked up to and I'm on this tour and I'm amongst all my peers – for, for them to be recording this TV show and people like just kind of start to learn about Guy Fieri and it was an ego boost for him to be like, I don't know about none of y'all, but I know who Potluck is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a dope one, man. Damn. Shout out Guy Fieri, man. Shit. He's still That's coming cool. up, holding it down every, just about once or twice a year at least. He's coming up for the Humboldt County Fair and stuff like that. You know, he still comes up. He still reps Ferndale, man. He still, you hear Every now and then, man, just uh, see him on TV. He'll be talking about Bill from Ferndale. He'll be talking about some of those things. I think yeah. his publicist told him, stop saying humble, because he used to say humble at the beginning. And I think his <laughs> publicist told him, hey, you're kind of already edgy. Stay away from saying humble, because people associate that with being like pothead. You know, let's go to, let's go with Ferndale. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's a lot better. Says, yeah. Ferndale. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn, man. That's so crazy. A one ton. I I I know, man, I could probably sit here for another like, you know, four or five hours at least with you and chop <laughs> more than that over the stories, man. Like, I just want to say you are always welcome on this pod, man. I know I feel like uh, we should definitely down the line, whether it's months to whatever at whatever point when you're interested in coming back on here and telling some more stories for the people, you know what I'm saying? This, this podcast is definitely going to be right here for you. Well, I appreciate the opening invite, you know, thanks for having me now. I would love to come back and do another part. We can, you know, get a, you know, get some more shine on some youngsters, get a bunch of youngsters in, get a couple more old heads like me, come through, man, tell some stories, man. And then, uh, you know, I love to come back, man. I love what you're doing, man. I appreciate what you're doing. You know, you came from Los Angeles came to Humboldt, you saw what Humboldt had, man, and put your imprint on there and, you know, getting out there and giving some people some shine and yourself some shine while you're out there doing it, man. Like, thank you for what you do, man. Like, it's important for Humboldt. It's important for Humboldt hip-hop, man. And I, I wish you all the success, man. Continue, man.
Thank you, one son. I, I'm definitely, man, I'm, it's my pleasure right now. I'm honored to be able to, you know, just even do this for the community, you know, because I got a lot of respect for Humboldt County hip hop and what this culture has been able to do for Humboldt, you know, is I feel like um, one of the things is that the media around here hasn't been able to give the beauty of this culture, specifically Humboldt County hip hop. I, I feel like the media hasn't been able to give a congruent level of like exposure to what artists and what people are doing. And then over time, as I'm, you know, I've been doing this podcast for about a year now, right? Like I'm finding out that, man, there's so many people in Humboldt County that are making hip hop. Like folks are coming out of the woodwork. They really are. And it's, it's dope to see that I feel like now with this podcast, artists have something, have an outlet that wasn't there before, you know? And so shout out to all the artists that have given me their time. Shout out to you one ton and, and thanks in advance to all the artists that are interested in getting on this pod. Like for any of the cats that have been in Humboldt County, new people to Humboldt County, if you want to, if you're seeing all these hip hop shows go down and you're seeing names like Knack One and Fat Bowl and Highway and Two Tank and these dudes that have been doing it around here and you want to know more about this community, the Hip Hop Humble Podcast, that's what we're doing out here. We're trying to give everybody their exposure, their shine, their time on this pod to get their stories out there. And, um, and, and it's all out of respect. For the love of hip hop in my heart, you know, hip hop is deep in my heart since I grew up in L.A., man, like, you know, to be able to be around a scene that's this isn't a metro area like L.A. So you can kind of you can get closer to the artist. It's more of an intimate experience with people. You know what I'm saying? I can go down to uh, a show and, you know, shake hands with artists and there's not, you know, barriers or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? And, and the artists are dope to, you know, uh, connect with the fans, you know, so it's a really dope exchange of energy. And that's one of the things that's really, that's humble right there. Most definitely. That's the one thing about humble, man, those exchanges of energies and people coming together, man. Like it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, man. Like, Man, humble. I, I feel like humble. We don't realize how good we have it. We're kind of spoiled, man. Like, we have a good community, man, that shows a lot of love, man. Like, it's a wonderful thing, man. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for being uh, a part of it one time and what you've done for it. And um, yeah, I'm just going to be, you know, continuing to uh, look at what you're doing in, in an inspiring fashion because it's just dope to see the moves you continue to make out there. I know I'm not the only one in Humboldt County. Got respect for you and um, super stoked on hearing the Tech Nine's going to be coming. Yeah, I'm, a work, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work some thing out where I can bring some shows up there more regularly with some of these more like uh, like uh, international acts that I've met, met from touring, you know what I'm saying? Like that can come sell out some of these bigger venues like in advance. So I'm trying to bring some more, um, some more of those shows and then get some locals on there opening it up to, so they can get some shine and kind of do some networking opportunities that way. I'm trying to set up something more consistent. Um, I've done, I've, I've done that for 20 years, but um, you know, big ones. And then sometimes I'll go a year or two without doing one, but I'm trying to set up something more consistent where I'll do it at least monthly or bi-monthly or something like that. That's what's up. Uh, folks would love that. And we and we really need that, man, because with the uh, with the industry, the, with the cannabis industry changed up here, you know, 
it feels like when when cannabis was really popping and even up until things started to slow down, like right before the pandemic and everything, like artists were coming up here and, you know, they were buying packs. They were doing what they need to do, but they were coming to humble and it slowed down. I mean, I'm a concert guy. I go to shows every month, man. Any dope show that's happening, I'm going to it, you know, and so. It's like the big artists, it's, there's just been a slowdown. You know what I'm saying? There's still been some dope shit. Like B.O.B. came out to the Mateel last year. That was a dope show. You know what I'm saying? But it's not like it used to be. Oh, for real? Yeah. I work, I work with B.O.B.'s agent. Oh, shit. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Get out to B.O.B. He's been doing that for a long time out of Magic City, man. He's he's a he's a real, like, uh, virtuoso, you know? Yeah, man. He's uber talented uh yeah the tragedy actually happened on that bob tour on one of the other spots a couple of uh um a couple of guys got in a really bad accident put in the hospital critical condition man we had to uh replace him on tour two of the guys damn on the tour that just happened that's crazy yeah going to an after party riding an uber the uber got uh drunk driver went off the road and hit him man that's crazy hey, wear your seat belts in the uber folks wear your seat belts in the uber that's the one guy real, got the seatbelt on, got to continue the tour. The other two flew out the car in critical condition. Mm -hmm. had, to, had, to, had to end the tour. Hey, those Ubers, that's not a limo, y'all. Show me. Show me. Shit. Shout out to the folks. I mean, I hope they're all right, though. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. But shout out to you, man. That's You You got your hands in a lot of dope shit, man. That's, that's dope to hear. I just love hearing that somebody that's a representative of Humboldt County hip hop like that is making moves on that level in the industry. Like that's what I hope for, you know, the, the dopest cast that I really like. That's what I hope for everybody in Humboldt County, but definitely the, the, the dudes I really like, like, I mean, I want to see the growth and them take hip hop to whatever level they want to in their heart, because like you were saying, it's out there and the checks are out there for Humboldt County hip hop. You know, so it's it, it, hip hop is growing in Humboldt County is one of the things that I've seen in this last year doing this podcast. And so it's it's a blessing. And so um, it's, it's something that we can't take for granted. A lot of these artists are out here and um, come to the shows. Y'all make sure you're showing up to the shows. Yeah. Come to shows, man. You know, collab collaborate with each other, man. Let's 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 just keep working together to build this scene. That's so I says one of my favorite things about like your podcast was. You know, shit, I love Humboldt, man. And I like, I'm active. You feel what I'm saying? And you're introducing me to people I never heard of. You feel what I'm saying? And then you're also reminding me of people you put on there that I haven't talked to in years. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, yeah, LCA, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, tight, man. Uh, see them on there, man. You know, so it's like, man, I, I just love Humboldt, man. I love the hip hop scene. I love what you're doing. I feel like it can be a lot bigger all the way around for everything that we're all doing. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, yeah. I'm just gonna humbly keep playing my position and keep playing my part, and um, and then just cheering for everybody's success, man. I want to see everybody in Humboldt win, and I want to see everybody win. That's what's up right there, one time. Hey, thank you so much for your time, man. Um, I, I just can't express to you how thankful I am for you and doing this with me, and um, I'm wishing you all the best and everything that you got going on. The best to you and yours, and um. Here's to a dope 2023 for you. All right, cool. Thanks. Appreciate the love. Um, my artist side, I can't believe I did this whole time. I'm so weird about helping in business and all that. I kind of left my artist side 
for those people wondering out there in Humboldt, because I haven't released, I've done, I dropped a few on YouTube, but man, I, I have over a hundred songs recorded, solo songs. You know, I got songs with half the people I already mentioned here on here, like people that I didn't even realize wanted to do songs with me as a solo act. I got a bunch, a bunch of music in the chamber. You know what I'm saying? And I've just been living my, my, my business side of the music right now and my hippie side, been going in the studio, just music it out. But one of these days soon, I'm going to put the business back into my artist side and getting it like that. And a lot of those songs will be out there for the world to hear. Just know, man, I'm still making music and I got, I got a bunch of tracks that will, that will, that will hit out there eventually. So, uh, I'm an artist still. Don't forget about that. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what's up. I know the folks are going to be happy to eat once those drop, man. That's dope. Yes, yes, yes. Man, I got a lot, man. I got collabos with people that be like, what? I didn't know, man. He knew him. Then I, then yeah. I got, you know, I circled back and got a lot of the OGs that I started with, man. Got them on some tracks and then got to do songs that like I always wanted to do, but didn't fit a group standpoint. You know, we, we, me and you talked about this before, you know, being black and being hip hop is we created this culture. So there were some things about that. I couldn't touch on before being in a group with a white dude, you know what I'm saying? Like there's aspects of that. I couldn't touch on of my, my personal culture and stuff like that. So I got to explore some of those in songs and then, you know, being a father now, you know, I got to make songs from that ass, man. I got a song with both my daughters rapping on there. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's what's up. Man, I got Hell a gas production yeah. music coming out. So out there, you can follow me everywhere. Potluck, one ton, the number one, T-O-N, like a whole lot of weight. I'm everywhere. Every social media platform, I'm Potluck, one ton. Follow me, man. Get at me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, let's keep this humble hip-hop shit going forward, man. All of us, let's keep winning.